Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brenda Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Yesterday, uh, as of the time of this recording, we recorded our Final Fantasy VII bonus. Yeah. Uh, so Stephen and I did that. I think that recording process was about like six to seven hours. And I think the actual like recording, like the raw recording is like four and a half to five. I think it's a little shorter, but even still, it's it's a very long one. Yeah. And I just, it's the time of year where like the sun is out at four. So it was <laughs> surreal, like starting that episode during an optimistic lunch and then just it being like barren of stars the minute yeah. we were done recording. I was so, it, I'm really happy with the episode. I'm excited to share it but it yeah. was so exhausting which i think leads into today's episode we're also recording the advent children patron bonus later today so yeah. the triple threat of ff7 bonus patron bonus later today and also our goatee episode three weeks away and having to kind of like buckle down and prepare for that yeah all really good and exciting stuff but it has led to us having not played a ton of stuff for today's episode yeah so i think you and i were going to open this with like truly maybe the first actually low-key segment <laughs> in a very long time because i think usually what we do is in a, in a normal episode we will bring to the show a game we're playing and usually it will be like one segment about one game i think for this section though we're just going to talk about like just a bunch of things we've been doing and playing talk about what's up yeah just like hang out for once uh like <laughs> this morning for example it was recently uh i think it still is the seam sale yeah and i got a bunch of interesting games so like having not settled on what i was bringing to this episode i just played like the first five minutes of a bunch of different games so like i can't confidently speak to any of them singularly but i can just tell you like what i've been up to as a person so it's kind of fun i've gotten three games in the steam sale so far and they haven't updated it with anything that i've been like really like chomping for since yeah uh the, the first day was like pretty great I, I think it's worth saying like you know you and i have steam decks now and this is the first time that i've been excited about a steam sale in like literally 10 years yeah um, so <laughs> i feel like what I, what happened with me in previous years when i had a gaming pc was I would be excited about the Steam sale and then the next year I'd be slightly less excited and the next year I'd be slightly less excited. And it's not because the deals are any worse. It's because I own so many games from previous Steam sales that I'm starting to like whittle down the possibility space of things I can be excited about. Yeah. Um, and now it's been like a decade since the last time I engaged with uh, the Steam store. So there's a lot of good deals yeah. on things that I've wanted to pick up for like a really long time. I feel like I, I've had the same experience with comics where like I used to go to my favorite comic book store, Chicago Comics in Chicago. Uh, I would go there like pretty much like bi-weekly. Yeah. And I would get like $70 worth of books every time, basically. Mm. So at a certain point, I recognized like one, I was running out of like physical space. And two, I'm like, I am giving myself a quicksand backlog that never ends. Like I, <laughs> the, the minute I finish two or three of these because i wasn't even getting like issues i was getting like graphic novels yeah so like eventually i just had to stop buying comics for like three years just to like <laughs> read all of that stuff and i'm finally like caught up basically yeah uh so anyway on the steam sale similar deal uh i got five games i'm looking at a picture that i took that i sent to you i got rivals of aether mm. 
our friend of the show, Dom Nero, uh, he has been on a quest to find like his smash like of choice. <laughs> like uh, there are there's I feel like there's a whole genre of games that are directly trying to emulate Smash Brothers. Yeah. And Rivals of Aether was one of the first, if I remember correctly. This I think it came out in 2015 or at least it was an early access around then. Yeah. Yeah. They were testing it out for a long time. I, I we were talking about this off the show a little bit, but I remember playing it at PAX in like 2013 ish. Yeah. Somewhere in that vicinity. Yeah, so I, I played a little bit of it. It's cool so far. I, I feel like I have to play it with friends to like actually talk about it like with confidence. But I think yeah. the, the really interesting thing about it is that it's 2D, which I think already kind of separates it from a lot of the like multiverses and stuff. Obviously, they're all on a 2D plane, mm-hmm. but I think having it be like pixel art, it almost sort of has like Mega Man energy with the character design. Yeah. It also is cool that like it's all original characters other than there are two cameos from Ori and Shovel Knight, which is kind of fun. It's like indie game (laughs) celebs. Just some flavor. Yeah. Yeah. um, But they're all like, they're all representative of one of the four elements. So like in water, there's like, I played as this weird, like quadrupedal trickster whale. That was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And it plays really well. It, It definitely feels like, I feel like with any game that is directly trying to emulate Smash, some of it feels like, okay, like. I understand why this is one-to-one, but I wonder if it had to be one-to-one. Like, did the shield have to be a circle? Like, do we need to have, like, the up B side be down B? Like, and I'm not saying that to debase the game, because I think they've done a really great job. And I think this game was also early enough that I feel like... I mean, this is before Smash Ultimate, even. So I feel like there was actually a pretty big need for Smash-like game that was maybe a little bit more focused on certain mechanics. Mm. Because they're clearly going after, like, a melee style of Smash in Rivals of but it's really cool i mean i again i might i might talk about it more if i play more of it there's also an arcade mode and surprisingly detailed story that i didn't fully digest because i played it at a weird hour of the night but there's a whole like history of these different kingdoms and characters and the trickster whale is like working for this weird corporation and secretly giving money to everyone else which is cool (laughs) so i think for fighting games especially that is one of the genres that is so beholden to ip and like Mm. characters from like even in Tekken you know there's Walking Dead cameos and uh, Noctis from FF15 and like that's fun but I I think in this current time like it can be a little exhausting and it can also kind of lose all meaning and almost feel like there is the joker in smash and then there's the yoda in soul Calibur 4 and i don't know why <laughs> one is miraculous and one is nauseating but yeah it's just the truth <laughs> so I, I like that rivals of aether is is mostly original characters i think that's like a pretty bold move in the fighting game space to be like whatever we're just going to make our own and we have confidence in the game and maybe these characters will become their own icons eventually yeah does that game have online play? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, that's cool. Dom told me to get it so we can play together, but we haven't gotten a match yet. Oh, so. nice. Yeah. Let me know how that is. I'm, I'm curious how I, I indie game netcode is always like, you know, it, it could be one of two ways, definitely. Uh, but I feel like that game is so reliant, probably, on having yeah. like really solid online play that I imagine it's probably pretty locked. Yeah. So, and also, I mean, the title, I feel like we had to play it eventually. Uh, it's true. It's yeah. sort of a... Yeah. I liked what I played of it. I, I only played like two matches of it at that one PAX that one time, but uh, I really, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I also picked up The Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky, second chapter. SC. Wow. Uh, 
I sure am still in the prologue of the first Trails in the Sky <laughs> game. And I imagine that's going to be like a project I whittle away at. Like, I think sometimes you and I have to be pretty honest with like, okay, like we have to be pretty diligent with our time and yeah. like have yeah. to decide like what games do we want to finish. And I feel like FF14 and the Trails series are like, I have to choose one. You know, not not say that I won't ever play the because I am curious about the later expansions of FF14. I could see myself just like one day paying the weird entry fee and like doing one of them just mm. to see like what what it's all about. Because you and I played Realm Reborn and loved it. But regardless, yeah, I'm enjoying the first Trails in the Sky enough that I at least want to aim to see through the first trilogy, mm-hmm. and then you know I'll go from there. Because right. you play Trails from Zero, which is the beginning of the duology, which seems to be like from what I've read, it seems like those are the games that people love the most but you kind of have to play a trilogy to to get to get there yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) which uh yeah i i liked i liked what i had played of that game um but there was some stuff that i didn't even realize was going over my head that it's now being filled in through trails in the sky uh yeah trails in the sky so far has been a nice like in-between game though because it's like pretty low stakes so far it's pretty pleasant to just like show up and do some like chores for people in the town (laughs) and like i don't know i just really like the presentation i like the music so i feel like that will be i would like for that to blossom into like a big project for the show but i'm also happy for it just to be something i whittle away at yeah yeah for fun that game feels a lot like cross code to me like even the way you accept quests and stuff but even even in tone i feel like i i I wonder if the people that made cross code are trails fans i could see that yeah there's similar dialogue even though leia and cross code doesn't speak i feel like she has a similar like vibe to estelle and just the way she responds to other people yeah i i yeah cross code's another one that i've wanted to play more of since 2018 yeah 30xx i also picked up which is in early access it's sick yeah it's basically a very heavily Mega Man inspired roguelike but i actually didn't bring it to the show for whatever reason i think we already had like a full slate but i recently played like almost all of the Mega Man x games (laughs) and what i learned from that experience is that Mega Man x rules and the rest are fine like i i I don't know i i I struggle with them a little bit because like Mega Man x i also feel like i know well enough that i can enjoy it because i know like the tricks and the secrets and that's a kind of the fun of it for me is like oh let me try to do the levels in this order this time Mm -hmm. x2 just felt like really difficult in a way that like wasn't super enjoyable and then x4 was kind of interesting and there was like a wild story going on with like cutscenes and dramatic (laughs) acting uh but anyway maybe i'll give them more time one day but like i love mega man x and uh i i like the mega man aesthetic even though i haven't like been a huge fan of all of the games mm-hmm. but 30xx like already i feel like has understood momentum and like just the feeling of playing the character honestly better than most yeah. Mega Man games i've played like it just feels better to play did i talk about 30xx when i was playing it you recommended it to did me I bring it to the show? okay you didn't bring it directly but it's worth you, saying yeah. what it is then it's it's yeah. essentially a roguelike with the mechanics and yeah that's what art yeah. style of of Mega Man x but is also a sequel to another game called 20xx but 30xx is in early access and they're trying to like really kind of make it much bigger and better in every way and uh i haven't played 20xx but talking to people who've played both it seems like 30xx is kind of on the road to really like one up the the original in a, in a pretty big way and i'm liking it a lot even in early access i think it's really yeah fun. it's it's really cool and you know it's definitely like it's very 
transparent about the fact that it's not finished yet and like there yeah. are even npcs who are like yeah bugs are kind of half the fun right yeah. Uh, yeah which is which is really charming but i mean even already like it looks gorgeous the yeah, music so is pretty. sick it really captures everything i like about Mega Man, but like kind of makes it just feel more modern so i'm really excited to see that game like fully come out yeah i've always had kind of an issue with the progression of Mega Man games in the past um yeah and i think Mega Man x in that series and, and zero also kind of get closer to something that i would enjoy yeah. the idea of it just being like actually let's just strip all of that away no progress it's just a roguelike like just these mechanics are kind of the reason that Mega Man has endured for so long so why don't we just lean into that it's really smart it's a really smart yeah. idea for a game i feel like the Mega Man x games especially the first one are like kind of roguelike adjacent in their design anyway because it's sort of a game meant to be replayed mm-hmm. over and over again and kind of learning from mistakes and learning like oh if i do chill penguin first mm-hmm. that freezes the fire level and then all of a sudden i can access new areas like, that stuff is so cool yeah and like the other x games are fun i just i found like the actual feeling of Mega Man is hit or miss sometimes yeah and that's something that i immediately noticed with 30xx is just how good the character movement feels yeah oh and you can switch and play a zero also i mean not, yeah. not actually zero obviously this isn't actually Mega Man and actually right. zero they're they're doing just enough uh to to differentiate so capcom doesn't come a call in but yeah uh, the the character that is reminiscent of zero i'll say also feels sick in that game oh yeah yeah and having the sword or the blaster is a nice like change yeah uh, it's it's really cool um so that that was on sale for like ten dollars i also got night sealer republic 2 which i feel Great. like we've been accidentally on an obsidian quest lately <laughs> um and that is the obsidian sequel to bioware's classic Night Sealed Republic, which I think we've talked about in passing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a game that you and I would maybe want to do a bonus for one day. Yeah. And two is kind of a divisive sequel. I think most people seem to like it, but I feel like whenever I talk to a Kodor fan about two, they like get mad at me for bringing it up. <laughs> uh, so I was like, I got to know what's up here. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm indifferent enough to Star Wars that I can kind of just like sneak around and see what's up without feeling like emotionally devastated about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm like, I, I feel like I'm maybe the perfect audience for Kodor 2 because mm. like even though I like the first one a lot I I also don't have like that nostalgic attachment to it so I feel like I'm I'm just curious like, what this game is doing differently yeah I've only played the prologue so far and you're basically playing as a droid on a broken ship uh, and it's just teaching you the controls and already I've noticed I might have to do some like Steam Deck finagling to change some things because I couldn't mm. figure out how to like do something but that's something I, I want to play more of and I'll report back on that yeah I have the first one on Switch which is probably where I'll end up playing that the most if I was to yeah. guess. And from what I know, the second one on Switch is still busted. Like it, you still can't finish the game. Oh, really? Yeah, they haven't they haven't patched it uh, to to fix that yet, which is a bummer. So Steam Deck might be the right place to have two. Yeah, and then I also got the game Another World, uh, the oh, 1991 yeah. Delphine software game that is like it's essentially like a really early platformer. Like it has kind of point and click DNA, but you essentially have like one button that basically does whatever the required action is which is kind of cool and it's it's honestly really impressive to experience i'm very early on so like i might bring it up again later uh and it's a pretty short game from what i know but mm. it's really impressive just in terms of the visuals and the storytelling Like there's no real dialogue uh, and it's very simple like you're basically this guy who is some kind of successful like scientist or inventor like he goes home to his computer and they're like oh i see you parked your ferrari in the driveway it's like, okay cool uh but 
then lightning strikes his lab and he ends up on this alien planet and i think this game is infamous for like this era of pc games like i feel like king's quest is similar are just notorious for like being thrilled at the possible deaths your character can endure (laughs) so like the first thing that happens in this game is like you wake up in this body of water on the alien planet and there are these alien tentacles going up and you have like a second to learn that you have to go up otherwise you die and to the game's credit like you can start over right away and half the time dying is like kind of hilarious like you almost want to see what will happen the next screen there are these little alien slugs on the ground and if you don't jump over them or stomp on them they bite you and your guy just falls face first into the ground and you (laughs) die instantly but there's already some like interesting stuff happening like there are some like interesting obstacles where like in the very beginning you're going you know side scrolling left to right and uh you know after you learn how to deal with the slugs there's this like quadrupedal beast that growls at you and then starts chasing you so you learn that you have to like clear all the slugs then run the opposite way and grab like a vine and then swing back and then run now that the path is cleared run in that direction Mm. but then you get encounter like sort of the humanoid aliens on the planet and like you try to appease to them and then they capture you and it's it's like a it's a fun adventure and this game is also super influential like a lot of really big game creators have cited this as like their favorite game of all time like the creator of eco and i think uh kojima has also cited this game as like an influence wow um so like i definitely want to play and i can already see like why this would be inspiring to someone like of in that time especially mm. i don't know I, I think also there's a lot of power in playing a game today that is like telling a very simple story with no words and just having like confidence in that like yeah i don't know how much the game is going to say by the end of it like if there's like sort of the same like profound feeling that i had in eco but it's cool to trace the steps there like even if i don't feel that way personally about this game i always like playing the game that people cite as like their influence totally just to like get a glimpse of that process yeah that's called another world just to say it again in case you're curious dear listener yeah it's usually 9.99 and it was on sale for 1.99 wow. in us dollars so i figured why not Should I just pick that up right now too while i'm at it? it you're playing on the steam deck and it's working yeah yeah it's totally fine okay cool yeah so that that's that's everything oh, that's it that's your list yeah okay. that, that's my steam sale wow, collection nice. Yeah, uh, I have uh, picked up three games on on in the Steam sale so far. One of them being Disney Dreamlight Valley, which oh, wow. is a game that I don't think I've talked about on the show. Um, no. But I have played a lot on Xbox and kind of wanted it on the Steam Deck instead, and also wanted to start over specifically, which is why I didn't just like cloud stream it using XCloud to my Steam Deck instead. But uh, stay tuned for uh, Asynchronous, a video game catch up show where I'll be talking about that game oh, eventually. Oh, very cool! But been playing that again which has been very interesting i also picked up the witness because it was like deeply on sale and despite jonathan blow's whole deal the witness is still one of my favorite games of all time uh i really really love it and i've been wanting to play it again and having it portable seemed really exciting so i I got the witness and then also i think the bigger one which i'll probably talk about eventually is the elder scrolls online um oh my god which was so wildly deeply on sale and apparently runs spectacularly on the steam deck that i I just had to do it so i picked that up as well and i'm really excited to see how that goes i think that's going to be a really interesting time yeah Um, we got to do that together that's like that's been that's been on the table for so long but we're almost afraid of it you yeah. know, like that's that's why I was like, I'm gonna rip the band-aid off. I'm just gonna buy it while it's I think on sale. I have it on PlayStation. I remember I, I I made a character and I tried to see if I can make 
Lester in it because yeah. uh, for those who listened for a while, we did an Oblivion stream where uh, we made an Argonian named Lester who only punched, and it, it's like still my favorite way to play Elder Scrolls. <laughs> but I don't know if unarmed is a viable option for Elder Scrolls Online, so I may need to make a new character or just maybe make a mage and say that canonically, like the magic is just coming from his punches. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, it, uh, you'll you'll figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, one thing at a time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that game I think was free on PS Plus at one point, and is also because of uh, the Microsoft and Bethesda merger, uh, is also on Game Pass. And I don't know why, given both of those, I decided to get it on Steam Deck also. But uh, that sure is where I just picked it up. So I'm excited to check that out eventually. But that's all the stuff on the Steam sale that I I picked up so far. I don't. There's hasn't been anything else that I've been like too kind of thrilled by yet but i don't know maybe something else will hit v rising and valhalla are two games that i've been really interested in that uh both kind of broke big earlier in the year and uh no sorry valheim is the name of it um, oh yeah i was like valhalla is the bartender game yeah uh, that's pretty cool yeah. yeah um but been considering both of those games because I, I i know a lot of people really like them and said that they were like some of the better games of the year and uh haven't been able to check them out until now so i might do that also because they're both on sale bargains but bargains you love to you love to hear about it and you love to see it are there any other games that you've been playing that you want to shout out uh not really i mean other than final fantasy 7 which you'll hear about soon yeah uh, i'm also just playing a lot of stuff that's like in preparation for the end of the year i'm, I'm revisiting a lot of games that i would say are strong candidates for my goatee list mm-hmm. um so like you know i i won't say too much but I, i've gone back and finished a couple games that like were earlier this year cool i'm also spending a little bit more time in some games so like i try to do like when we're in you know we're three weeks away from recording the game of the year episode which is kind of surreal very exciting yeah uh and this time i some of year i always try to like okay like are, if there are things I I missed, I want to do like quick gut checks to see like if there are any last minute contenders. Otherwise, I want to spend this time like kind of revisiting all of them so I can get an order down that I feel good about. Mm, yeah, I um yeah I, I feel like Final Fantasy VII was a little bit of like a roadblock in in <laughs> Goaty season. You know, it was like. I just felt like any time I spent not playing Final Fantasy VII was time that I was like wasting or or treating irresponsibly in some way. Well, that's how I feel in general. But yeah, especially during <laughs> the bonus. But yeah, it's 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 exciting to like be back in the saddle. Like I redownloaded Elden Ring and started a new character, and like that's cool and fun. Yeah. And it's very interesting to go back to that game. I, I I'm not doing New Game Plus with Elden Ring. I decided like I'm gonna go in completely fresh and like. Try it again, knowing what I know. Having finished the game and then starting New Game Plus, I, I enjoy the New Game Plus experience. Yeah. But I've been enjoying more just like new builds, new character, uh, armed with knowledge, but nothing else. Yeah. It's been great. It's been really cool. Yeah. I also, um, I don't think this is going to make the list, but I started playing Super Auto Pets again, and that game still rules. Uh, and they've updated <laughs> oh, yeah. it so much since the oh, last good. time I played Because I haven't played it pretty much since the Marvel Snap beta came out over the summer. So it's been like almost, I don't know, five months i think since i last played it and uh man super auto pets it's great it's free you can get it on your phone it's free I recommend it yeah it's um, a fun time what else i've been playing uh oh the, weirdly enough i don't know why i think i think it was just be, like based on the hype from our conversation yesterday about final fantasy 7 but i immediately went and downloaded and started playing final fantasy 15 again yesterday <laughs> and oh, ended yeah. up playing like four hours of it like I've, i'm like decently into that game again uh it's one that i've wanted to revisit for a really long time because i've talked about it on the show is like i started playing it like a really 
pretty difficult time in my life. Like it came out literally like the exact weekend, something very bad happened to me. Uh, and I, I literally just like needed to be in my room and like playing a video game for a couple days. And, and that was the game that came out. And I had never, you know, really had an experience with a final fantasy game that I like loved, except for my, my, uh, brush with fate with final fantasy 10. But this was like, okay, I'm going to go into this, not knowing anything about it. I didn't have any context for it. Cause like I, I wasn't following the hype. I didn't know anything about it being like versus 13 and being in development hell for a decade or whatever yeah like i didn't know anything about final fantasy 15 i just knew like it's it's the new numbered final fantasy and i'm going to give it a shot and like see if i can get into this franchise by just like jumping into it right when the game launches and loved what i played and then as time went on there started to be like more and more kind of uh rumblings that like fans were disappointed in it the team that made it and square enix kind of committed to patching the game um both like mechanically but also narratively which is interesting yeah there were character episodes that were released later that filled in gaps that the thing about 15 is that even before like fan reception there was a bit of a reliance on external media that feels kind of gross like yes so i've already experienced that in this game i I don't want to say i don't want to say what it is because i guess it's a spoiler yeah but there's a really, really jarring thing that happens between chapters one and two of this game that relies on you having watched a movie that is is not mentioned anywhere in the game. Like if you didn't watch the movie, you don't understand what happened. And they have like a cutscene that's like a one minute montage of the last scene in that movie that plays with no dialogue. So you don't, you can't, you don't even get that context. It looks you, like it's from a different game too. Like it's it's jarringly different. Yeah, yeah. it's super weird. And then it just like picks up where the movie left off when you start yeah. chapter two in the game. And I, I had forgotten that that happened and then needed to like Google. I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, why did that just happen? And then remembered that they had released a movie, but it's so weird that you would like patch the game, add a bunch of narrative stuff to it and not change that bit at all. Or yeah. at least like, let me know in, in the, in the main menu before I start the game. Like, Hey, did you watch final fantasies? I think it's called King's Did you watch final fantasy 15 King's And you could say yes or no. And like, maybe give me like a little summary of what happened or something. Yeah. Knowing even a little bit about that game's production, I think like it's amazing they like even it's made a miracle there's a game yeah <laughs> yeah but i initially kind of wrote off 15 like you know i as a big final fantasy fan growing up i for whatever reason kind of fell off around 12 mm-hmm. like the big thing was that i didn't have the consoles that were getting the new games i i wanted 13 but i couldn't get it at the time and then i was fully indoctrinated by oblivion and skyrim by the time i had an <laughs> xbox so 15 you know i i remember like seeing there there were like a million memes about you know the four guys in a car and and like yeah what is this like this is like the opposite of what final fantasy should be in many ways so i, I kind of just didn't really have any interest in playing it. i wasn't like mad about it i just didn't really care like yeah. in 2015 or 2016 and it wasn't until doing this show where i was like kind of inspired by our quest to give everything a chance basically mm. so i was like well like, let, let me see so I, I remember i went to uh gamestop and it was there was a deal where if you bought two used games you got one for free yeah and I got FF15 for free. And I remember the person working there was like, there's like something on the disc. Is that okay? I'm like, honestly, it's perfect. Like, that's the perfect <laughs> way to get Final Fantasy 15 yeah. for free and have something weird on it. Um, <laughs> but I brought it to the show and I think I even wrote about it in our medium a little bit because I was really pleasantly surprised at the things that are good about it. And what 15 does really well is even though I would like 
kind of a larger ensemble like the the casts in games like seven and nine and ten like even if i don't like individual characters i just love like how different everyone is you know and like how unique all the characters are and and you know the fact that 15 is like four people that already know each other was kind of inherently less interesting um but but i think the camaraderie between them and their relationship like their relationships to each other are more interesting than the singular characters yeah but i i really enjoyed that and i i liked the slice of life kind of letting go of childhood and accepting responsibility story of the game mm-hmm. i just think it gets bogged down in like the political stuff and like the high fantasy stuff but I, I honestly really enjoy the more grounded elements of that game and i think ultimately the more i played the more frustrated i was by it because like there's half the game that i think is great and half that is like good by its own merits but it doesn't connect in a meaningful way mm. so the game just feels very like water and oil and even the combat which like initially i was really into eventually starts to feel kind of like inconsequential like it feels a little like floaty at times Mm. and i mean especially coming after you know ff7 remake which i feel like is doing what 15 kind of wanted to do yeah absolutely with applying real time to turn-based combat so all that to say i think 15 like if you get it like on a uh, like i don't want this sounds like a backhanded compliment but like if you get it for free or heavily discounted i think you will have fun with it if you're a big fan of the series and i think there's a lot to admire about it it's just a shame that like it came out the way it did Mm. that's how i feel yeah that's it i'm 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 loving it uh and and i weirdly enough maybe it's because i don't have that kind of connection to the franchise as a whole something about final fantasy 15 is really clicking for me again uh and i i don't yeah. i don't think it was just that i played it at a bad time like i i'm starting to think no. that like maybe this is kind of more my speed which i'm i'm really into so far and, and i even- hope uh i hope you continue to, uh, all i'll say i don't want to like diffuse your your enjoyment of it but like there are multiple moments ahead of you that are like that cutscene, and i feel like the game eventually becomes something else which so i'm curious what you'll feel yeah like when you get to that point in it yeah um, i want to i want to commit to keep playing it i think that's going to be one of the yeah. weird things i'm just going to like <laughs> keep chipping away at um but yeah honestly that scene and if you if you played the game you know what we're talking about but that scene between chapters one and two i was thinking right after it happened that it would have been significantly more interesting to just remove that entirely like remove the cutscene and th- and then just have the knowledge of what happened there seep into the player via the characters learning about it i think is a much more interesting move um instead of shoehorning in a a scene from a movie uh in between there it's very confusing yeah there's just there's just a lot i mean i i think the the initial idea for what 15 was going to be and what it ended up being are dramatically different which again i think is why it feels so yeah torn but i mean again there's there's a lot to enjoy about and i've heard good things about all those character episodes so they might be worth getting if you want to have the full experience yeah that's another thing um that's always on sale is the royal edition of 15 uh so i don't know if if you're curious about it maybe check it out i i am curious about it and uh i am enjoying it the other game i'm playing is pokemon (laughs) 15 is like middle of the road for me like i i definitely think it's better than i expected but it's not amongst my favorite final fantasies but i i definitely think it's better than than the initial reception like would lead you to believe i think so too don't you think though that it is extremely like a brendan bigley move for final fantasy 15 to somehow become my favorite one (laughs) i am confident that it won't be the further (laughs) in you get 
and I'm trying uh-huh. not to be blunt about that. But yeah, I know. I, I think currently, yes. And I, and I know why it's working because I felt the same way about it in the early hours. Like, yeah. I really loved the like, hey, like, let's just catch up and take pictures and like, let's go on a hunt. And then then it becomes something else. Yeah. So can you post it? Yeah. Well, I'm searching in tombs for weapons at the moment. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I already, I already that know. That stuff is great. I already yeah. know where some of this game goes because uh, I, I hit it the first time. But anyway, have you been playing more Pokemon? Have you have you uh, dipped into it at all? Not really. I, I felt like we, we shared a lot of our thoughts about Scarlet and Violet last time. And I, I'm enjoying it. I just I found the more I've played, the more the performance stuff does like hinder my enjoyment a bit. Like, I definitely think there's still a lot to admire. But like just with the sheer number of games that I'm like interested in playing, I don't I don't feel the pull to like get farther and farther into Scarlet. Like I kind of feel like I got what I wanted out of it in some ways. Wow. Yeah, that's a bummer. Sometimes with games, I'm like, okay, like I can go back to this one day, but I want to like finish something else or like play something else on my backlog. And like, I think I just kind of need a little bit of a break from Pokemon in general. Like Mm -hmm. even if the game had no issues, I just don't really like need that exact experience right now. I just feel more pulled into like, oh, like what if I got further into the Trails series or what if I like played a game? I have no idea what it's about. That's just where my head is at currently. Mm -hmm. So it's less of a a judgment of of Pokemon and just more like what I want to experience right now. Yeah, I, uh, I guess similar to the final fancy 15 thing the more i play the more i like it uh, <laughs> uh I, I i definitely am having a lot of performance issues still um yeah. some people have tweeted at me some some things that have helped uh for example if you go into the settings and change the docked mode output resolution to 720 instead of 1080 it actually like helps performance a little bit um and also closing the game and turning off your switch and turning it back on in between sessions also helps a little bit but not that much honestly like yeah. there there is still a lot of issues with it um but the stuff it, it's interesting like as much as i am bummed out sometimes by the performance stuff it's like the little rough edges in the actual game and the mechanics that are starting to bother me a little bit more uh yeah for example like when i'm out in the world and i'm riding my pokemon around and i'm trying to avoid the wild pokemon because like i'm just exploring or like making my way from point a to point b and you run into a pokemon that's so small you couldn't see it and then you get launched into a battle and the game like chugs while it switches you from open world (laughs) exploration into the battle mode and it's like okay frame rate hell now you're in a battle and then you need to try and run away oh but you can't escape for some reason so you got to fight this pichu that's level one and you're level 40 you know and then you have to go through the motions and then try and leave it's like it, it betrays what i was excited about when it comes to this game in particular and, and and the ways in which they were trying to differentiate it but that's like few and far between it like happens occasionally and is annoying when it happens but it's not that bad the thing that's really weird to me is i'm starting to realize that the game is not as open <laughs> as i thought it was or at least like yeah, that's that's what i've been hearing about yeah it's really strange it doesn't like i i think we all just assumed and and shout out to our friend will who who mentioned this to us but like i I think we all just assumed that the game was going to scale level wise to like where you were at and how many badges you had and etc etc which is how to be clear pokemon crystal clear worked which was that that rom hack that i've talked about many times on the show yeah and that was really cool and and use that to great effect where you could like travel around johto and kanto and and get as many badges as you want in any order and and the whole world would scale to where you are that was really cool and the the thing that that rom hack got really right was that it was the trainers and the gyms that were scaling to where you were and then different areas of the world would be easier or harder so like you could you know uh like stumble backwards into victory road by accident too early and all those pokemon are gonna be way too difficult for you as they would be you know normally i guess and that 
that's kind of happening in Scarlet and Violet still. Like they almost get that right where there are some areas where the Pokemon are just like way over leveled for where you are. Because my thing with most open world games, if you're if you're really giving me an open world, I'm gonna explore the whole thing before I do anything quest related at all. That was like how I played Breath of the Wild was I just went and unlocked all the towers before I yeah. even started the main quest uh, <laughs> just so I could see the whole map. It's a good move. And that was cool. And that that world scales to where you're at. So like that felt like mostly doable. There were some areas that were supposed to be harder than others. And I saw that as like just a fun challenge to like try and overcome those odds and and did. And that was like rewarding. That was a cool thing. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet do have areas like that where you can you can travel too far in, in a certain direction and have Pokemon be like wildly over leveled for where you are. And you just get your ass handed to you and you can't catch any of them because they're like too hard to catch. And if you, you know, get stuck in a battle or a trainer battle or something like you're just going to get absolutely ruined. And in some cases, I I found that to be fun and challenging in the way that like Arceus was at times where like I'm taking on something that's like way above my pay grade, Uh, you know, catching a Pokemon that's level 30 when mine are all like level 20 is like it's cool and doable. It's not impossible. And when you get when you make it happen, it's really exciting and, and investing a lot of time in that. I think early on has been really rewarding for where I'm at now, where I'm finally getting to use those Pokemon that I like struggled to catch early on. Yeah, because now I have enough gym badges to like control them like they will actually listen to my commands and stuff. And that's really cool. Like that stuff is really rewarding and really interesting. What I've found to be shocking is that like the gyms aren't scaled at all. It yeah. seems like and and the like the, the of the three main quests of the game, those don't seem to be scaled. And when the game starts, like literally when it starts and you go to the school and then they, you know, have this whole ceremony where they're like, OK, let the treasure hunt begin. You have these two NPCs that are like, you can either go out the East Gate or the West Gate and you could start your adventure on either side. I went out the West Gate, which, as it turns out, was the wrong way. I wish I didn't realize like the the first thing you can do there is appropriately scaled to the level that you are when you start, which is like between five and ten, probably because uh, yeah. you just got your first Pokemon. You've just caught some other stuff like maybe you're around level ten and that stuff was fine. And then I kept trying to go that way. And when you go talk to the people that run the Pokemon centers, you can ask them like, hey, what should I do? Like, what, what do you think I should do next? And they'll just find something in the area that like is undone, essentially. And then just like mark it on your map and be like, here, you can go do this next. And I maybe foolishly assumed that that meant that that thing would be like around my level and I would be like, OK, to go there. And I went there and that stuff was level like 35. I was like, OK, <laughs> so that's not it. Uh, and then I went because I picked the water starter. I was like, well, I got to avoid the grass gym for now and i'll like you know mosey on up elsewhere and spent some time like checking out the other gyms and like building up some teams so i could eventually go back and like take on the gyms that i thought made the most sense like type wise for the kinds of pokemon that i was seeing and catching and they were all so hard and i talked about this and i guess it was the last episode i talked so much about how i think this game is more challenging than i was expecting it to be and it turns out it wasn't more challenging i was just doing it in quote unquote the wrong order <laughs> because i eventually made my way to the grass gym and all those pokemon were level like 12 to 15 and my pokemon at that point were level like 30 and yeah. it, and as it turns out, the game is not scaling. It's just like there's an undisclosed right way to take on the gyms. And that's been a bummer. I think that's been a little bit of a bummer because now I'm like figuring out what the right way is just by challenging all these leaders, like just to see how, what level their Pokemon is at, which is not f that's not fun to be clear. But that's what I'm doing. So now I've done like I've done three gyms at this point and I'm like making my way towards a fourth just because I want to keep catching Pokemon. Like that's kind of the other thing is you can't catch Pokemon over a certain level or you can, but it's really difficult if you don't have enough gym badges yeah. um so they're also withholding my ability to like collect pokemon which is the thing i want to be doing because there's 400 in this game there's so many and i yeah. and I, I do want to catch them all and it's like doable but it's difficult it's really difficult yeah i i'm thinking about just like when and where and why 
open design benefits the gameplay because i think we're in an era now where i think open world is synonymous with it will be better because of it and like yeah you know i think with pokemon like that that is a series that people have wanted to be open world for forever and i think pokemon legends was a great example of how to do it well and honestly so is scarlet i mean i mentioned in that episode that like the bones of scarlet and violet are on paper like my ideal pokemon game yeah i just think it 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 falters in execution and in performance in ways that like can't be ignored Mm -hmm. and i think about like the older games like gens one two and three where like there are moments in those games i think specifically two where the path is fairly open like there are some there are some hard locks with hms so like you can't go super beyond where you're supposed to but like you could do like a couple gyms in either order yeah like right stuff like that is fun like i think giving players choices is usually a good decision right but you want to have those choices feel meaningful and not like do i want to do the gym that's my level or do i want to grind to take on a harder gym and then go back and have this and do the easy easy. one yeah yeah like that isn't really like it's not super exciting you mentioned this and and sorry if you're going to bring this up but i want to make sure we talk about it because it's stuck with me now but you mentioned there was an episode of the pokemon anime where i think ash goes to a gym and the gym leader is like how many badges do you have and he shows them he has like three or four and then they get their team ready for that level of yeah. matches. Yeah, it's it's such a it's such a quick, like almost quiet moment that's like it goes like kind of unacknowledged, but it's it's just like a thing that happens in passing. And and ever since seeing that, I've thought about how cool it would be to have an open world Pokemon game. Like that was the impetus for me to always be asking yeah. for it. This idea that like, oh yeah, of course the gym leaders, you know, if, if you're born in uh, the way we were talking about it was like if you're born on Cinnabar Island and that's the first gym you go to, it would be wild if Blaine just suddenly hit you with his level 60 Arcanine, <laughs> you know? Like, that doesn't make sense. All the kids in Cinnabar Island like, oh, I wish I was in Pewter City. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, all the ki- yeah. Oh, weird that all of the uh, people who have actually been able to obtain all the gym badges were born in Pewter City. How strange. <laughs> or Palatown. Yeah, and, you know, there, there are so many, everyone on Earth is saying what they would want to see Pokemon do as a series. So, yeah. like, you know, at a certain point it never ends, but I do think if you're making an open-world Pokemon game, and you're letting the player tackle the gyms in any order, that's like a logical next step in like making all the gym leaders have sort of like teams tied to what level you are. And it's mm-hmm. like really interesting. And and weirdly is kind of like Mega Man X where like you can do those levels in any order. There is like an easier path, but your path will be different if you get certain powers earlier on. So like... Mm-hmm. I honestly think they could have done a little bit of Mega Man X and Scarlet and it would have paid <laughs> off. But I mean, I'll, I'll go back. I'm not like done, done with the game. I just needed a break. Um, I definitely want to see more of the gyms and I want to do a couple of the Operation Starfall things. But um, yeah, it's kind of it's weirdly similar to FF15 for me, where it's like I can't help but be a little bummed out seeing like what this game could have been more than like what I'm currently enjoying. And it goes back and forth depending on the moment. But like it, it's it's kind of a mixed bag for me. Yeah. The th- the thing for me, I think that's pulling me through these games is I love the characters in, in Violet yeah. so much. They're I, great. Yeah. I, like everyone I've met, all the leaders are super weird. I don't know. You haven't seen the, the normal type leader, have you? No, I'm pretty early on still. I don't want to yeah. spoil it for you. It's like comedy 
gold. Uh, okay, this fine. Guy. I'll go back. You it's, sold me. So with this mystery. Yeah. So good. I mean, I think the best the best thing you can say about him is is the first time they show you the the gyms and they put them on your map. You can see like little headshots of all of them, and he's facing the other way. So you just see the back of his head, and that almost tells you everything you need to know about him. He's great. great. Really, really good one. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. I love. I love the region. I love the characters. I still. I still love this game despite all of its faults, which I think is uh. It's my my favorite kind of game. That's great. And you're not alone. I mean, the people who are playing more of it and seeing it through, it seems like there is a lot to love. And I felt that way too. And I still do. I yeah. just haven't. I've been trying to address my backlog situation so I don't have the yeah. quicksand that I once did for comics. I'm excited for all three of the quests to converge in some kind of like strange Sephiroth battle at the end. <laughs> With, with like a legendary we didn't even know it was in the game or something yeah there's a giant badoof in a cave that is has stolen all the badges and is uh robbing operation starfall <laughs> i would love that what yeah, a great ending it, that would be that was a great ending yeah big badoof i don't have any other games to talk about at the moment yeah i think, yeah. I think that ended up being actually a pretty substantial segment so i think we did well wow go us look at us yeah do you want to take a break and then do listener questions? Yeah, I need at least five minutes to pat myself on the back. Yeah, me. <laughs> That's good. See you soon. Bye bye. And we're back. And we've gotten questions from you, the listener. Uh, Thank we, you. We have an ongoing list, just to be clear, of, of questions people have asked us um, over the years. So this list is just like ever growing. It's our own like question bucket, I guess, if you're a you're a waypoint listener but uh that said you don't all only have to send us questions when we ask for questions if you have if you have questions you want us to, to answer on the show just uh send them to us at all times and we'll, we'll we'll add them to the list anyway picked out a couple that uh i feel like would be fun to talk about especially this one which i feel like is actually strangely a direct connection to what we were just talking about vis-a-vis <laughs> final fantasy 15 and pokemon scarlet and violet um but this one is from tara's in discord thinking of the pokemon discussions do you believe expectations potential the history of the franchise etc should or could affect how you view a game or do you think every game should be approached as a clean slate uh, does betraying stuff mentioned above uh, affect your judgment or should it not? I mean, ideally, I think you want to approach everything and judge everything by its own intentions. But I think if it's part of a major franchise, especially, it's impossible not to go in with some kind of preconceived notion of how it's going to be. Yeah, I think divorcing yourself from your own experience is impossible, right? It's like yeah. it's like the people who go <laughs> online and are like, G- games are too political or like, uh, you know, th- this review is too subjective and I want an objective <laughs> review of this video game. It's like, that's that's not a possibility, my guy. I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> at a certain point, all art is your own relationship to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I think it's it's all it's all in moderation. I think sometimes like, you know, thinking about Final Fantasy, for example, that series has so many. I would say there are at least three, broadly speaking, styles of a Final Fantasy. Mm. So I think. You know, you could be a person that really wants a Final Fantasy to be like five or tactics, or you could be someone who really wants it to be like Ivalice, or you could be someone who really wants it to be like seven or eight. Although I would, I would actually make, even within that, there are branching paths. So like, you know, I I think that it's a, maybe a, a cheating to say this, but I feel like you can't not have your own expectations, but I think you shouldn't think a game is bad if it doesn't do exactly what you wanted it to yeah i think that's kind of the big thing for me is is there there's a point at which your own expectations kind of overthrow your own ability to enjoy something right like if if you get so wrapped up in what you think something should be you forget to look at what it is and i feel like 
Final Fantasy is is a really interesting kind of lens to view this through because it is a franchise that is literally built on the back of like them just throwing anything at the wall to see if it will work or not. That's like that's that's the history of Final Fantasy. So every time they come in and they do something like completely out of left field, like Final Fantasy 12, for example, is like such a wild choice and such a wild set of decisions for them to have gone down. And that game rules. But if you went into it wanting it to be like 10, you're going to be disappointed, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and I imagine the same thing was true of 15 when it came out where like 15 comes out and is, you know, just like a, a, a wild thing, uh, especially in comparison to 13. It's like almost the exact opposite of 13, right? 13. I think people were yeah. like, this is too much going down the road of like literally being railroaded, right? Like you're just like making your way down a long hallway and watching, you know, elaborate cutscenes. But even, even beyond that, like it doesn't, it doesn't evolve too much from what 10 was doing combat wise. And then 15 is like the opposite of that, where it's like, okay, we've gotten rid of turn-based combat. It's an open world, like go do whatever you want go try yeah. and go, go like mine for materials and shit. It's like, what, what, it, what is this? This isn't even Final <laughs> Fantasy. And this is now a new branching path for what Final Fantasy can be. 13's combat was really bizarre. I mean, that was actually pretty new and and unrelated to anything there were like similar names but like the way battles worked were were very new and strange but i think you're right that like there have been direct quotes where like certain characters in that game are trying to recreate past characters like lightning was based off of cloud yeah um so like it's definitely trying to be final fantasy's next step as you know it or yeah. want it to be and like you said 15 is is completely I mean, 15 begins with stand by me playing as they push an out of gas car yeah just to be clear that's definitely i'm i'm always going to be beholden to whatever florence welsh is up to and when you <laughs> when you get florence in the machine to do a cover of stand by me as the opening of your video game i'm gonna be all it's in. an incredible opening yeah, yeah. i so love fun. that opening yeah so but i think in the realm of pokemon it's kind of an interesting one because as as we've said many times this has been a thing that people have wanted forever right like this this idea of an open world Pokemon game as soon as Grand Theft Auto 3 came out I feel like the idea of an open world Pokemon became a possibility um, and it's been like what 15 years since then uh, and as time has gone on and consoles have become more and more powerful and, and graphics have gotten better and, and the possibility space of video games has gotten more and more broad the idea of an open world Pokemon game became more and more of a possibility and, and more and more exciting to people and you can't not go into Pokemon Scarlet and Violet with without those expectations and without the weight of that like what if they did this you know because here's your here's your chance they did it they also said what if we did this and then decided that it was the right thing to do and then like kind of fucked it up um, <laughs> like they, did, they, they also did, did rcs too which i think yeah. was a better execution of that idea yeah over, that's overall yeah that's been the big uh the big back and forth for me thinking about like what what can make it onto the goatee contention list i kind of feel like it's got to be either or between rcs and scarlet and violet and as much as i'm loving violet i think rcs is the one that i have like the stronger attachment to because even honestly it being a period piece is so interesting to yeah. me like that vibe in that town and the people in that town are so cool and interesting and and the idea of that game starting with like pokemon are terrifying and we need to learn about them to like overcome that fear is such a cool idea i don't know there's just a lot of really interesting ideas in that game yeah i i didn't think i would ever say this but narratively the last two pokemon games have been uh, a <laughs> step up for the franchise yeah which you know usually the narrative is like your neighbor is ambitious right and that's like it 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> and maybe you are too, but you also don't say anything. Yeah. And maybe you'll catch the god of non-existence. Um, <laughs> uh, and you'll dig underground a lot, I guess. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's kind of the takeaway is, you know, you you and I say a lot judge a game by its intention, but that, that doesn't mean that we're coming into it like as blank slates. We're not like, you know, perfectly you know zen uh like mindless people you know we, we're, we're coming in with our own experiences and our own hopes and hopes and dreams um, but every once in a while you know you'll go into a game like that and it will prove you wrong right like every once in a while you'll go into a game like that having one set of preconceived notions and very quickly you know as as long as you're open to it and that's kind of the biggest thing you need to be open to it as long as you're open to it a game can prove you wrong and 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 you can walk away from an experience being like oh my god this is great I, we talked about that a little bit with pokemon that's not pokemon on snap marvel snap right like the idea of a a, mar- a free-to-play collectible mobile card game with marvel intellectual property is like really easy to <laughs> scoff at you know yeah, it's like really yeah. easy to just kind of be like ah that's probably not going to be for me and then you sit down and you play it and like 15 20 minutes an hour later you're like oh my god this is one of the best games of the year it's wild yeah i also think games sometimes have to find you at the right time i mean that's the case for any media but games in general ask more of their participant than yeah. than other mediums like yeah. more time more like physical effort mental effort not that it's like a higher caliber medium but like it's just you're you have to like it's more of an action than just sort of watching something mm. uh you know and and i think sometimes you have to be in the mood for a certain experience I, i've had on this show like you know i i played some games and and felt like fine about them and then maybe i'll revisit them later and be like oh wow this is actually incredible and like i'm in a much more willing place to sign up for what the game is asking of me mm. i think the big, biggest example of that was dragon quest 11 where like i played it and thought it was fine like i, I didn't really get what all the fuss was about but like i liked it enough to bring it to the show and then i went back to it after years of bullying and fell in love with it completely <laughs> so i i like that you know at a certain point not only is like objectivity impossible mm-hmm. but even subjectivity is like moment to moment you right. know not that like you're going to be flippant but like opinions and feelings and 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 our relationship to the world around us changes throughout time and, and it's cool to experience that yeah and bullying works and bullying works look at me now i'm, I'm playing dragon quest 4 <laughs> on the ds yeah look at that uh, oh, that. Dragon Quest is also a good touch point for that, right? Because you, you go into yeah. that with like a real set of expectations and the game asks you to come into it with that set of expectations, you know, yeah. and and will either subvert it or lean into it even more than you thought was possible. And yeah. like Dragon Quest just like knows what it is and wants you to be comfortable in that feeling um so different different strokes for different franchises but i do think like you look at something like call of duty and every time one comes out the the competitive players are angry about whatever slight changes they made from the last one you know so i, I think it, it changes depending on the franchise yeah cool thank you for that question this one's from nbz on discord if you had to learn to speed run one game what would it be oh wow Speedruns have been a blind spot for me. I've never really been that interested in it. I know it's a really cool like community and like I, I like when there are sort of big events that everyone watches and it's cool to see like especially for older games like Ocarina of Time, the speedruns for that are absolutely wild. Yeah. Recently you could like summon the R Wing in a speedrun of Ocarina of <laughs> Time, like from Star Fox. It's like in the game's data somehow. <laughs> 
So like, I don't know if I would want to do that, but like, I, I definitely like, I like that. My interest would be like my interest in speed running. And I'm not sure if there's like a name for this specifically, but like, I'm less interested in sort of breaking the game and finding ways to like jump ahead by like rolling into a wall and more just like, how fast can I earnestly beat this? Like how yeah. fast can I actually do this? And yeah, so the, the difference there, there's what are called any percent speed runs, which is like beat the game at any cost. And those are the ones where it's like, we're using every glitch and everything we possibly can to make that happen and then there are 100% speed runs which is like I'm going to do everything in the game and like actually beat it the normal way but as fast as possible yeah so for that reason I think I mean I know Celeste is a big candidate for honestly both of these oh, yeah. kind of speed runs I think Celeste would be really cool imagine I, how hard that would be yeah <laughs> I mean it, like the design of Celeste like even out, outside of speed running like there are so many like subtle mechanics in that game that make it as great as it is so I think that would be fun to just learn it's, it's a game I love enough that I would love to know it just inside out. Yeah. So I think I feel like platformers in general, like I don't know if I would really want to speed run like Persona or something. Like, I feel <laughs> like that would defeat the purpose or like Animal Crossing. Yeah, I feel like length of game is definitely something you have to take into account. I do think platformers are so difficult. Yeah. If I had to guess, like the, the amount of precision you would need to to nail a speed run of something like Celeste or you know the, the one that I've talked about on the show in the past is Shovel Knight, like the original Shovel Knight. I tried yeah. to learn to speed run and got, I guess, like two zones in and like knew them like the back of my hand and it was you do hit this really interesting state when you learn to speed run a game where eventually especially if you're doing it the way i was doing where it was like i'm gonna learn the first level then the second level then the third level then the fourth level you know them so well that you stop thinking about it and it just becomes muscle memory and that's a really interesting experience that's like the kind of thing that i i had never experienced before in a video game until i tried to do that i do remember this this one point in, in like the polygon life cycle where uh i think griffin McElroy was trying to learn to speed run gone home which was like the silliest game you could have picked <laughs> to speed run and I, I really love that i would love to do something like firewatch like i think yeah or like uh, dear dear esther or dear something. esther yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would say celeste would be my answer for that yeah there is speaking of animal crossing that there is i think uh um what is it called um, i think it's called museum percent which is you have to fill the museum in animal crossing oh that's fun as quickly as possible and you're allowed to like jump out of the game and like change the clock over and over again you know what would also be a fun one shadow the colossus i would love to try to do that as fast as possible oh yeah i wonder what that's like there's got to be really wild physics stuff in that game, right? Where, like, you can use Agro to, like, launch yourself to the yeah. top or something. <laughs> this yeah. any percent run. I'm going to do some horse boosting to uh, increase our time on the fourth Colossus. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. That'd yeah. be very interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so those are my answers. This one is from Ponk on Discord. As a big fan of the Pokemon designs like Klefki and Trubbish that are just regular objects, what is a random thing in your field of vision right now that you would turn into a Pokemon? <laughs> In front of me is a little Buddha statuette and a wooden bear. So, I mean, there's potential here already. There's also a microphone. Let's see. A, micro a microphone is there, would be really fun. Is there a microphone Pokemon? I don't think so. Yeah, uh, I think a microphone would be my answer. It would be electric and steel uh, yeah. and, you know, kind of loud dread energy. You know, mm. I think I think loud dread is a speaker. It could be kind of like a, a cousin to the loud dread. Yeah. Fam. Well, on our way to a, a punk band that consists only of Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Who would be the punk band? Loud dread, the uh, Galarian Zigzagoon. Oh, yeah. Who's the who's the Pokemon that like picks his pants up? Oh, I, I know you're talking about. He's the um, bassist. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Scraggy. Scraggy. That sounds awesome. like a bassist name too. Yeah. I also think Esper would have to be in the band just because there's something kind of like mysterious and scary about mm-hmm. that cat and the way they stare. Yeah. Is Loudred in the band? Speaking of like building up this band, we're now at four members already. Is Loudred in the band or is Loudred literally the equipment for the band? <laughs> I think Loudred's the roadie and equipment. Okay. Esper plays synth. I think. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love so that. what's yeah. their name? Oh my God. I don't know. Do you have something? Cerulean Rash. Is yeah, the that's first perfect. Thing I had. Yeah, that's yeah, really good. Wow. <laughs> hey, Aslan answered. Um, what's my answer? I guess, I guess my answer, the, the only thing that's really interesting that's in front of me that, that uh, I, I would like to see as a Pokemon is this empty wine glass I have. <laughs> oh, a wine Pokemon would be great. Yeah. It's, I'm kind of surprised there isn't one in Scarlet and Violet or I guess in X and Y considering that one was set in France. What if you had like a wine glass kind of broken magikarp fish that turns into merlotic it's like a wine uh yeah kind of swan creature yeah that that would be awesome yeah Yeah. i love that there you go great wine and mic Uh, wine and a microphone yeah Yeah. cool that's definitely the episode title (laughs) (laughs) yes are there any old video games that you adored as kids uh that you feel like maybe exist only in your memory that's from jenna on twitter yeah um mischief makers on n64 uh i rented what is that i don't know that's why i think it might be a dream (laughs) it's uh it's a game that i rented a lot with my sister yeah i remember it having kind of a vaguely sailor moon aesthetic Mm. but like sailor moon meets vector man kind of like early 3d polygons and there were these weird enemies where the protagonist would grab them and go shake shake Shake, with the enemy and that's like all i remember wow this this has like a little bit mega man energy yeah i'm actually i haven't googled it in years let's see it's horrifying looking Uh, (laughs) oh yes this might have been a nightmare yeah um, yeah, there's there's a bit of Mega Man here. It's interesting. The art, like the 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 illustrated art that they, I guess, were using for marketing purposes, looks a lot like the same artist that did Pokemon. Now that I'm looking at it, I wonder if it is. Yeah, I wonder. Mischief Makers on the N64. I don't even know what genre it is. They were all. Yeah, I remember the enemies. I'm looking at it now. The enemies were like kind of shy guy esque. They had yeah. like weird masks. It looks like it could be a puzzle game, but it also could be a platformer. I'm not quite short this is fascinating mischief makers mine is probably jersey devil on the ps1 (laughs) i just remember walking into a funko land which is a a store that used to exist where you could buy video games i walked into a funko land and uh, saw jersey devil for the playstation one and like at that point i still only owned a sega genesis but i just i couldn't believe what i was seeing i was like they made a whole video game about new jersey about this one very specific new jersey thing this looks a little gexy to me all right did you google it yeah this has the energy of like like the ps1 platformer where they were trying to find what their mascot was going to be yeah and for some reason i thought it was the jersey devil (laughs) they're like we tried croc we tried gex none of it worked glover a shot yeah we gave glover a shot it's time for the it's time to literally make a deal with the devil from new jersey yeah bizarre weird game yeah i can't believe that exists so those are our dreams mischief makers and jersey devil here's an interesting one i'm curious what your answer is for for me uh this one's from stella on twitter what themes or mechanics in games make you think of one another like what makes brendan go oh this is absolutely a steven game and vice versa oh wow that's a great question i do think that these things are kind of coalescing the longer we do the show <laughs> like they're definitely merging but i think the big thing for you specifically is and 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 i imagine you've said these words this group of words like a billion times on the show which is why i think it's so in my head but a sense of ensemble <laughs> 
Yeah, I love ensembles. You yeah, love absolutely. ensembles. I think I think if a game has like a really strong set of characters and is very interested in the way that those characters interact, you're going to like it. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair read. I mean, given like if I had to just list what are my favorite games like ever, a lot of them feature that. Yeah, uh, Ensemble Quest. Car- ensemble Quest. <laughs> For you, I think there needs to be a world that feels lived in. And the game itself should be a positive ritual, which sounds kind of mundane, Mm. but I think like you like having a place in your schedule for like a shovel night dig where it's like, this is something I do like every morning yeah, or Marvel snap where it's something you like check in. Like, I think you like returning to a place in a game. Mm. That's yeah. That's all Dragon Quest. I would say is also that Dragon Quest is definitely that. Yeah. 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 I think you're totally right on the money about that. Yeah. I thought you were going to be like, I think there needs to be a better game in the franchise that came before that one. (laughs) That's what Brendan likes. Brendan likes if there was a better game before the first one. So like Chrono Cross is perfect for that. Final Fantasy 15, as it turns out, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Brendan can't wait to say, I actually prefer the life aquatic, whatever video game equivalent that is. Uh, I feel like 15 is the life aquatic of Final Fantasy. Yeah. I, I, Final Fantasy 15 is not going to be my favorite. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, it's okay. If it is. It's, it's like going to gonna always be remake, I think. I think 7 remake is like, I know I know it maybe doesn't count technically as like part of the mainline no, franchise. But like, you know, if if it's a game with Final Fantasy in the name and uh, I, I sure do like it. Here, This is an interesting one. I, I'm curious if you have an answer for this. Uh, Simon on Twitter asks, what's your most often restarted or replayed retro game or the one you default to when you have a throwaway half hour? Oh, wow. For example, I don't finish it, but I must have played the start of Sonic 2 hundreds of times over the years on every emulator <laughs> or device capable. So I'm going to assume retro means like N64 or before. Yeah, for, I think that's safe. Yeah. You could do PS1 if you wanted to be Final Fantasy 7. Yeah, well, the, the thing is, that's not like... This seems like what's the one you kind of just go back to for, like, if you have a half hour to kill. Mm-hmm. FF7 is more of a a, a full meal for me. <laughs> I was trying to think what, what like... Because if you if you didn't include retro, it would be Skyrim. Like Skyrim has been mm. the game that I just sort of fall back in, like almost like a bad habit or like, you know, uh, a bad influence, even yeah. though it's a positive experience. Like that is I think if I ha- if you collected all the hours and all the different places I have Skyrim, that's probably my most played game. Yeah. Very quickly, there was a question from Kate on Twitter that was, uh, do you have certain games you revisit at certain times of the year? Not necessarily spooky season, but like a special summer Thanksgiving or winter break game. And uh, my answer for that was also Skyrim. That's like the game yes. that I, al- I always <laughs> somehow fall back into Skyrim, especially like since doing the show. As soon as we're done with Goaty season, I always fall back yeah. into Skyrim. For some it feels reason. like a vacation and also just like I completely turn my brain off kind of experience. Yeah, yeah. But retro, I would say, um, honestly, I really do love going back to like the classic Mario stuff like mm. Yoshi's Island in particular. I like starting. That's one where I don't really get like super far, but I always love like revisiting the beginning of Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Um, and also just like, you know, Super Mario World, even the Donkey Kong Country games, although that's usually a quick visit because those games have wild saving systems that are infuriating. So like I never really spend a lot of time in them these days. Mm. The first Donkey Kong Country, you can only save when Candy's store appears on the map, which is like at least every three levels all of which are very difficult Mm. so you basically have to like flawlessly beat three levels in order to save that progress (laughs) so you might beat one level by the skin of your teeth and then lose the next level yeah to start all over again oh man the second game allows you to save 
getting two coins, which is much better, but you had to revisit old levels to get coins. So like save states, uh, emulate <laughs> it. That's, that's my recommendation. But yeah, yeah. I would say like the, the Mario stuff overall. That's interesting. Mine is the 1994 Sega Genesis game, Mickey Bania, The Timeless Adventures of Mickey Mouse. Really? Which, yeah. I don't know if I've talked about this on the show. Have I? Mickey Vania? Mickey Mania. Oh, I was about to say, don't catch that, me off guard. That'd be but... wild if it was Mickey Vania, though. Uh, Mickey Vania, The Timeless Adventures of Mickey Mouse became like a weird ritual between all of my cousins and I. Uh, so for con- I don't think I've, I've talked about this, but my, my family's gigantic. Uh, my dad is one of 13 kids. Uh, wow. And everyone got married and had a bunch of kids. I'm the only, only child of all of those aunts and uncles. So I have like a lot of cousins. And every Christmas Eve, we used to have everybody over, uh, like pre-COVID. We would have like everyone in the family over because for some reason, everybody was like still on the east coast for a long time like people are starting to branch out now but for a while everyone was on the east coast so we would have like a huge christmas eve every year and all my cousins would come over and uh, as i mentioned many many times i really only had a sega genesis for a while and the game that we would always try and play and beat was mickey mania the timeless adventures of mickey mouse which was notoriously difficult it is like <laughs> unbelievably hard and not hard in a way where it's like oh i'm a kid and i just like don't have the like mental capacity to beat this thing but like even as an adult truly like a horrifying game to try and make your way through (laughs) um it's extremely extremely hard and uh i i still every once in a while will go back and try and beat it like to this day every once in a while i'll like throw on we, we always just called it the mickey game uh, i'll just throw on the mickey game and try and beat it and i remember this one year i got the nvidia shield tv which was like a little it was like a little android tv box that had an nvidia graphics card in it and like ran android for the express purpose of bringing it to my parents house for christmas eve so i could emulate the mickey game on it and we like really all sat around as like adults and tried to beat the mickey game again and couldn't do it still there was a weird yeah. early childhood comfort in, in this era of game of just never being able to beat something. Yeah. I want to try my best, but I know it's never going to happen. Yeah. I had a few for Super Nintendo that were like that, specifically the Star Wars games, Super Return of the Jedi in particular. Mm, that game is impossible. I, I have no idea like what they wanted me to do. So <laughs> this is awesome, though. I just Googled Mickey Mania. It looks it looks wonderful. It's honestly great. The whole the whole conceit of that game is you make your way through the history of Mickey Mouse like as a character. So you start but you are like normal, I guess, like mid 90s Mickey Mouse. But you start off in the world of Steamboat Willie and like Steamboat Willie. Oh, there. that's awesome. Um, and and like Pete is is always the villain in every level uh, for the most part it's it's extremely hard there's like there's some surprising stuff in there where like the game becomes 3d at times uh it's it's bizarre it's a bizarre video game um it was also released on like the super nintendo and playstation and stuff but uh i have no idea what that was like i had a mickey game where he was a wizard and he would like spin stuff but i don't know what it was called yeah i don't know i don't know that also might have been a dream that sounds like a sorcerer's apprentice thing um also just like weird talent on this game uh the famous david jaffe uh of the twisted metal fame uh and and like i guess god of war also uh worked on that game and also michael giacchino who's like an extremely accomplished composer uh, and now director also did the music for that game, which is like wow, that's non- amazing. nonsensical, um, really wild. And that's Mickey mania. Um, <laughs> got two questions. One we can, we can zip through real quick. Uh, Corey on Twitter says, I'd like to hear a segment about your current recording equipment setup, which I think is pretty easy because it's mostly the same for both of us. Um, but you and I both use the blue Yeti 
microphone yeah. uh which we've used since we started the show and works great for the most part i think we're thinking about upgrading soon um not even upgrading just like changing it because even even doing live streams and stuff with the yeti the way that we have to use it means that like it needs to be directly in front of our faces so anytime i'm on camera in a stream like my face is almost completely obscured by the microphone and the pop filter which like i've gotten feedback in the past it's like hey i'd like to see what you look like (laughs) which i i i don't i don't think of as a weird ask to be clear um i understand that it's a little impersonal to have this big thing in front of my face so we've been thinking about upgrading um but uh Steven records in QuickTime, like yeah. literally just the QuickTime recorder <laughs> on Mac, which is pretty wild uh, and is so reliable. Um, we see his audacity, but it, it, every once in a while it would fail um, and doesn't get updated that frequently. So every once in a while you'd update your like Mac operating system and audacity would just stop working entirely, which was always a bummer. Yeah. So that's my setup for recording. I, I had to experiment a lot for streaming to, to get it to sound right. I had a different mic for a bit and like I finally have a scenario that works for me. But yeah, the Blue Yeti, I mean, it's it's, it's pretty standard and it works fine. Uh, this is also like the same mic since 2018. Yeah. Uh, so, amazing. you know, we, we figured it out pretty early. Yeah. I changed mine just because I, I wanted to. Like that would like I, I got another one. So I, I have two Yetis, one that I like bring around with me whenever I'm recording at a place that's not here and another one that's like attached to my desk. Yeah, I, ha- I have a couple other options too. But I think I think maybe uh, I'm also like moving in the near future. So I'll probably end up just changing like a bunch of my scenario. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we both also use the Sony MDR 7506 headphones, which are the best yeah, headphones ever made, which are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I wore mine so much for so many years at this point that all the like leather on the ear pads came off and like started like fraying and disintegrating so i just replaced it with uh, i replaced them with new ear pads which you can do which costs like ten dollars so oh that's awesome it's like one of the best deals you can get for headphones is like i think these things are about eighty dollars uh and are unbelievable they've been they've been like an industry standard for 30 years or something like they're kind of hard to beat they're like obviously fancier things out there but these are perfect yeah they're great um and uh we also use skype which is always the jump scare if you were a guest on the show we're like like, hey we're gonna call you on skype and everyone's like what yeah i haven't used skype since like bush was president i forget oh i think it was chris plant when when i had him on when you were gone that one weekend who was like i thought that skype got discontinued like he thought that it had like actually been removed from the internet which uh i think it's like on the way i think they're gonna replace skype with teams that we have to figure something out oh yeah i'm i i draw the line at teams i'm not using teams i'm not using for teams the show. yeah, yeah. We'll, I, we'll do zoom like everyone else yeah or discord honestly is really or discord for, yeah um, so that's that and then my other quick recommendation we're, we're uh based on macintosh computers um and the reason I switched to Mac is a piece of software called Audio Hijack by a company called Rogue Amoeba, which is um, like the single greatest piece of podcast recording equipment and software, I think, of all time. Uh, so I would just recommend checking that out. But it allows me to record our Skype call and also my own individual like high quality track from my microphone simultaneously so we not only have like i'm recording my own end of the audio you're recording your own end of the audio but i'm also simultaneously recording the skype call and it's breaking it out into two different audio tracks so like you're on one side and i'm on the other side so we have like a backup in case something fails in case skype gets discontinued while we're recording yeah um uh, so that's our recording setup and aj uses adobe premiere right I believe so. Anything. Yeah, I, th- I think I think they're still using that. AJ, if you, actually, want, if you want to chime in, by all means, chime in. Yeah, AJ. actually, I would love a, a quick AJ uh, segment here. I'll get the Ouija board out and summon you. Hello, 
it's me. I'm here. I actually edit using Adobe Audition. Uh, Premiere is the video editing software. Uh, I have a Microsoft PC. The I also use a controller to edit for macros and stuff. Uh, it's the Shuttle Pro V2 that my very good friend Chase sent me. Thanks, Chase. I mix in Audition using the Ozone and Neutron Elements plugins from Isotope. They're really great and have completely changed the way that I mix shows in the last year. Uh, at the microphone that I use just for fun is the Electro Voice RE20 uh, plugged into an Evo 8 interface and the headphones I use are the DT770 Pro from Bayer Bayer Dynamic and they're great and super comfortable. Uh, so that's it. Back to the show. Thank you. We have a patron bonus from a couple years ago where we talk about like the full making of the show. Yeah. So if you're interested, that that does exist. Uh, but yeah, that's on the patron feed. Yeah. We're always open to talking about like how we make this. It's yeah. pre- honestly pretty straightforward. I would say like, you know, we, we are probably due for an upgrade, but I think this all works. It sounds the way it does. Yeah. So. It's one of those like if it ain't broke, don't fix it things. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, my my job used to be helping people make podcasts. So I'm always open to talking about this stuff. And, and uh, yeah. I got to get a better chair. When I stand up, my whole everything hurts. Oh, yeah. Get a new chair. Yeah. Get get the Ikea Yarfalet like I did. <laughs> we'll see what happens. There, there are a lot of furniture and desk things I need to get yeah. soon. Uh, I will say getting a standing desk has been hugely helpful for me. Uh, yeah. I love having a standing desk. I, I, I was like, ah, I'm not going to become one of those guys. And now I'm one of those guys. And uh, turns out those guys are right. Yeah. Anyway. You want to answer one more question? Let's do one more. All right. This one's from Podracer on Discord. How do you grapple with the fact that there are so many past, present, and future games that we'll never be able to fully experience them all? Wow. Really apt for right now during Goaty season, I think. Yeah, also. yeah, yeah. I think um, ultimately, like, well, you and I both want to check out as much stuff as possible. Like, I also recognize, like, if I don't have an interest in something or if I, like, kind of got what I wanted out of the experience. I think this kind of leads into conversations about, like, finishing games. Because I know I have friends yeah. who, like, they get a game and they they will not allow themselves to play something else or to get a new game until they've, like, completely finished it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I kind of respect But I think like games in general take longer to see through than than other media. So like you do have to be diligent. How I feel about the fact that I can't play everything. I mean, I'm fine with it. Like if you apply that to anything else, like, oh, I wish I could read every book. It's like uh, it's not going to happen. Like, you know, you kind of have to accept that. But I think I really enjoy the journey of just, you know, tracing history and checking out what I'm interested in, checking out things that I, I maybe don't know very well, but like am open to and yeah. being surprised by things I have written off. So like there's more than enough experience to have, even if it's not objectively every game. And honestly, if we played every game, I think we would resent it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's my take on it. I, I, I think the process of doing our like system based episodes as our season premieres has really helped with this in a, in a major way, right? Like doing, doing the Game Boy Advance and the Nintendo yeah, DS specifically. I think you learn pretty quickly, or at least I did like, how to tell what games are worth investing that kind of time into because time is such a precious resource, especially in the event of us trying to do an episode like that, where it's like we need to be playing so much stuff and have feelings like have actual feelings and opinions about so much stuff and also need to be producing a regular episode every week and also be doing a bonus episode every month. So like that kind of delineation between time and and figuring out like how much time can I devote to this game that isn't really grabbing me within the first like two hours 
while I also need to be worrying about all this other stuff, like, oh my God, we're playing God of War again for the bonus or something. And also we have to read this book for the patron bonus. And also we're doing like normal episodes. Like, do I need to be investing time in this game specifically? Uh, you learn very quickly how to how to denote that kind of stuff. And I think that's, that's one of the beauties of doing this show in particular is, is you know, kind of forcing myself at least to regiment that time um, has been really helpful for me in terms of like broadening my horizons, but also learning what I like. Yeah. And I also think it, like we've managed to create a schedule for us where like we still have time for other things too, which is yeah. nice. And that goes again, like kind of just being honest, like, okay, like even if I'm open to going back to this game one day, like if it's not grabbing me now, it's not going to grab me later. Like it's not like it's not going to fundamentally change at a certain point. So mm-hmm. I have to move on to something else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what helps is that the pressure for every week is like I, I always want for this show, like obviously for the bonuses and for Goaty, there's a little bit more homework required. Yeah. But for a weekly episode, like I always want it to be like, what. Even if we weren't doing this show, what would we want to have been playing or what would we have checked out organically? And a week like this, where ironically, we've talked about more games today than than (laughs) usual episodes. But like we were honest, okay, like we haven't had a lot of time this week, but we can still talk about games and things that matter to the show so yeah it's nice to have that flexibility as well yeah absolutely so i i I think the the real takeaway and you you touched on this already but i think the real takeaway is just like understand that it's impossible uh and 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 try your best to play the things that you think you're gonna like yeah it's it's again like i think uh doing this show has been a journey and like discovering our own subjective taste Mm -hmm. you know and also being surprised at what that could mean like i have a much better vocabulary for the games i like and the games that i want to see and, and the games that inspire me creatively than i did before yeah so and that's the ball game <laughs> thanks for coming out tonight folks anyway i can't wait to eat lunch and then watch advent children with you <laughs> yeah i'm so hungry yeah i had a big slice of pound cake and uh play Ooh. final fantasy 15 this morning that was that was that's my been my morning that supper. sounds heavenly yeah, it was pretty great why is pound cake the perfect companion piece for ff15 i have no idea it was a uh, cranberry and orange oh nice yeah it was really cool. those are the two flavors of the game in harmony and also in opposition <laughs> sounds like anyway. it's time to wrap up it's time to wrap up. You know the drill. Into the cast that online is your hub for everything relating to the show. Uh, there's also links to the Patreon there. And if you back the show for a dollar, you will have access to the patron bonuses, including the upcoming Advent Children commentary, which is going to be a wild ride. Uh, we also have our FF7 bonus. It's available for everyone. That should be coming out. Uh, so this will come out Wednesday. We're aiming for releasing both the patron bonus and the FF7 bonus this Friday, but that may need more time, but expect it in at least the next week or so. Yeah. And then, yeah, we have Goody coming up. Uh, it's it's a really, I always enjoy this time of year for the show. It's definitely like this and then June, July are like our busiest time, I would say. Yeah. Usually what we do uh, worth if, if you're if you're new to the show, but usually what we do for December is we don't do like a bonus episode like we would normally do. Goaty usually replaces the bonus because it's like so intensive to get that together. Um, and that'll usually come out like 
towards the end of the month like on a wednesday on a regular day and we'll take that week off also um so yeah. just a heads up like the, the the schedule for december will probably just be like technically wednesday episodes with no extra stuff um unless you know like a nintendo direct happens and we have to do a patient bonus <laughs> or something we'll see exactly yeah so that's our plan for the month ahead the end of the year very exciting yeah. very surreal uh and then i think after goatee uh you know it's what we call weird season like january to, to april is always that like fun time where there's not a ton of new releases so we can like really go anywhere yeah and it's also usually the time where we're like we've been doing the show now for four years and i think without even realizing it we always try to like challenge ourselves a little bit creatively and like do a little more maybe like examine things and and reaffirm like uh, you know what we want to do for that season or like how we structure the show so i think like i imagine i don't really know what this means yet but i imagine like post goatee we may like kind of publicly announce like what our plans are for certain things into the aether two <laughs> All I have to say, like, I always like the beginning of, of, you know, the post new year kind of like ambiguous time is always fun to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really bizarre. I'm excited about it. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm going to get into, but uh, it's going to be all kind of nonsense. I've caught up on all of the trails games and we're finally here. <laughs> yeah. Doubling back on that question. Turns out I did play everything. <laughs> weird uh, weird well somebody above me is vacuuming which means it's time to go my name is brendan bigley you can find me on the internet uh at brendanbigley.com i'm stephen hilger you find me at stephen hilger and at stephen hilger art have a wonderful day goodbye follow me on mastodon <laughs> i'll be on zanga see ya Online.